1 Samuel chapter 3. And uh, this is a, the time when little Samuel was surrendered to the temple. His mother Hannah made a, um, a pact with God that if she gave him, if God gave her a son, that she would surrender him to his service in the temple. And she did that, and she had more children. You remember, you remember that story, do you? Okay, so some people may not remember all those things. I, I forget at times that everybody should know their Bible, but, uh, you know, it all depends how long you've been in the Lord as well, isn't it? You know. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's about the boy Samuel. Uh, he was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions uh, were infrequent. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And he said, No, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. He, said, he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. So Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor the word of the Lord had been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as an undertime, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken against his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew. And because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by any sacrifice or offering forever. So it was in this time, it was a, a corrupt time in, in the house of God that uh, Eli's sons were carrying on, you know, with immoral lives. They were stealing from the temple. Everything was going on. God began to speak to this young lad, Samuel, um, and uh, telling him, you know, how would you like that? Your first prophetic voice was to rebuke the guy that's taking care of you, you know. And uh, he had to do it. You know, he was faithful to the word of God in him. Uh, you know, but something really came to me. It was in verse 3, and it said, The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, if you read that in the King James, it would have said the light in the temple had gone out. You know, so, I mean, better interpretations as time went on. Uh, but it, it sort of struck me that there's some significant spiritual significance here, that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, uh, that the priests were assigned the duty of keeping the lamp lit at sundown to sun up, 
uh, you know, and so right there, uh, you know, Samuel was woke in the middle of, awakened in the middle of the night, and it, and it was still middle of the night because the light lamp had not been extinguished in the morning. That's that's the general interpretation there, but I think I think it had a bit of a spiritual intonation there, that the light had not yet gone out. It was going out. Uh, I think in a spiritual sense. Do you understand? Even some of my uh, preacher uh, brothers here might have felt the same there. I've always read that in the King James as the lamp had gone out. You know, uh, you know, it was good enough for Paul. It was good enough for me, the King James. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I, I felt there was some spiritual significance. And, I, and something that happened in the intertestamental period, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Israel, uh, Jerusalem was taken over by the Greeks. Alexander the Great conquered most of the world at that time. But a general named Maccabees rose up and defeated the armies of the Greeks in, in the intertestamental period. And that there was a menorah. Anybody know what a menorah is? It's a... It was a seven-fold candlestick. But after that time, it became a nine-fold candlestick. The reason being is that during that time, when Maccabees reopened the temple and rededicated it, they didn't have enough oil for the lamp, for the seven lamps. They only had enough oil for one day, you know, so it wasn't burning. But it kept on burning for eight days. So from that time forward, the Jewish people, when they celebrate... Uh, Hanukkah, they light nine candles, the eight days, and one candle to light the others. So that's how that happened. Okay, but they celebrate a miracle of the lighting of the candles. So I'm thinking back here, why couldn't this be some kind of spiritual inference, you know, that the light in the temple had not yet gone out or had gone out? God put something on my heart when I was praying about this sermon. He showed me a little candle. I, I thought, well, what's this? And, and he spoke to me. He says, this is your candle. You know, this is the little flame that's inside of me. You know, and he says, you know, you got to take care of it. You know, this is, this is a, a picture of the fact that every one of us who have asked Christ in our life has that lamp that's inside of you. Amen. And on the day of Pentecost, the tongues of fire came down on the disciples. Well, my friends, if you got the Holy Ghost in you, you got that same tongue of fire inside of you. You know, it's still there. Hallelujah. You know, I'll never forget. Uh, I was Catholic when I came to the Lord. And in fact, I was prayed for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit by charismatic Catholics, by charismatic nuns. I met my wife in a convent. She didn't stay there, by the way. You know, <laughs> her, her Irish Catholic father would put her in the convent thinking she'd be safe from boys there. You know, so she'd go to a Christian meeting, and who would show up at the meeting but me? You know, and so that's how my The last thing he wanted was a, a Yank Protestant son-in-law. You know, but in the end, he loved me more than, I think, his own sons, you know. And, uh, you know, and so, I, you know, we, you know, the Lord did some things there. But I went to confession, first of all, because I was still Catholic. And I had some, when I asked Jesus in my life, I had a lot of things to confess. You know, I'm sure that priest in that box almost passed out when I told him everything I, I did. You know, I mean, you know, 
I mean, he was on the phone to the Samaritans or something. I don't know, you know, <laughs> you know. But I, I just let it all out. I forgot the format of how to pray. Bless me, Father. It's been about 14 years since my last confession. You know, I've lied about 10,000 times. This is probably another one. You know, <laughs> uh, you know the whole thing. But you know, the fire of God hit me in that uh, cubicle. Not only me, but the priests. You know, we got zapped by the Holy Ghost, you know. And I came out, my friend was waiting to me who was also a Catholic who became a Christian at that time. And he said, Denny, your face is on fire, you know, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I know what's in Acts chapter 2 is true. It's all about the fire that comes into your life. You know, it's, it's about having that unspotted life and shining like Jesus, you know, it's, We've got to keep ourselves unspotted, you know, as, as best as you can, you know, to keep yourself from the thinking of this world. Do you know this world is trying to destroy the family? Years ago, they used to take census on, on, on the effect of fatherless families. They don't do that anymore because it's not politically correct. Do you understand? They're trying to demolish the family and that you and I have got to keep unspotted from the world it doesn't mean we don't love people you know everybody's got their temptations and everything we love people you know but we don't have to be like everybody else we have to keep ourselves separate and you have a flame in you you know and just like Samuel it may have been his job to keep that flame lit you know to keep it lit and, 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 you know, Jesus said, he says, I'll never break a bruised, well, the word of God says about Jesus. He would never break a bruised reed or he would never smolder a, a, a flickering wick. Do you know what that means? You know, is that your little fire inside of you, it may be flickering, it may be smoldering, you know, but God can put, turn it on again. Hallelujah. You know, but it's your job to keep it lit. It's your job to stay in the word of God. It's your job to come to church and to be part of a fellowship. You know, a piece of coal will fall off the fire and turn black. But as soon as you put it back on, it'll turn red again. Amen. And that's why you're here. You're here to get turned red. Amen. <laughs> so uh, you need to take care of that fire. Amen. And, you know, logs, they don't burn easy if they're wet, you know. And I'll never forget it. Just a couple weeks ago, and the Lord really spoke to me in this. I was in my, uh, my daughter and son-in-law's garden, and uh, he had let, uh, left some of these uh, fire logs out in, in the fire pit, and they got rained upon, you know. And he was trying desperately to light those things, you know. And they were smoldering. They weren't going to catch fire. My wife said, no, that's not going to work. Kevin, his name is Kevin, my son-in-law. Uh, and, and my daughter said, that's not going to work. But he picked up the fire put, pit and put it in the center of the garden. The wind started to blow, and it caught on fire. You know, uh, the wind, all you have to do is catch a wind. Amen. All you have to do is catch a wind. You know, it says, be filled with the Spirit. That word in the Greek, it means to put up a sail. Get ready to catch the wind. You know, that's, that's what you got to do. Are you ready to catch it? You know, because you can catch it any time of day. You can get in the river at any point. 
you know, all you have to do is get in. Amen. Get into the river. You know, and without the Spirit's help, you're not going to be able to be strong. If you're trying to be strong in your own strength and everything, not by your power or might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Keep yourself unspotted. Keep yourself flame on. You know, this is what's important. You know, I'm, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, when Elijah was uh, fighting with the prophets of Baal, he, he put the sacrifice on, on the log and he, he drenched it with water. The prophets of Baal were all cutting themselves. And he said, let the God who is God answer by fire, you know. And so they were doing everything. They were screaming out. The prophets of Baal were, and they were cutting themselves, trying to make their God bring down fire. And then uh, uh, Elijah took uh, water, and he dug a trench around the bull sacrifice and the logs and everything. He filled it with water. He completely drenched it and everything else. And then he called down the fire, and it licked up all the water, you know, and it consumed the sacrifice, you know. And here's the thing is that no matter how damp you get in the world, you let the Holy Ghost in and you'll catch on fire. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, anybody out there ever get damp by this world? You know, there's only two of us. <laughs> you know, some of you look kind of wet tonight, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> you, know, you know, but the fire of the Holy Ghost will lick up all the dampness in your life if you let him. You know, this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place of letting the fire in again. Hallelujah. This little flame, it, it won't consume you, but it'll consume the sin in your life. You know, it's like separating the dross from the silver. God will purify you through this fire that's in you if you let him. And that's all you got to do is let him. Let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I just wanted to ask, anybody felt that their hands were really warm tonight? I held your hand for just a, a minute there, David, and your hands are very warm. Anybody else's hands very warm here tonight? That's a sign of healing. It's a sign of laying hands on people to be healed, you know. And you got to start to read the signs of the Holy Ghost. Can you hear what I'm saying? You feeling all right there? You're getting some of this. <laughs> all right. All right. I could say something, but I won't. <laughs> but, you know, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. You know, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say about receiving from God. You know, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is the rest of it? Okay, so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith and hope are two different things. They're not the same. You know, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So faith is, it's now hope is in the future. So when you say, Lord, I would like to have the gift of tongues, and maybe you'll give it to me sometime. I hope you'll give it to me in the future. You won't receive it. Faith is right now. You receive it when you ask for it. You conceive it in your spirit, and you hold on to it until it comes. 
You understand what I'm saying? You know, like healing and things like that. Get on your knees and conceive in the spirit. Even before you feel that you've been healed, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is something that you have already in here before you feel it in your body. You need to know that because that's the way the Holy Ghost works. You know, he, he, he draws near on faith. Do you understand? So, you know, you say, I hope, I hope to get the gift of tongues. You won't receive it. Faith is the substance of thing hoped for. You know, it doesn't have any promises in Scripture about being healed because you were healed 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And by his stripes, you have been healed. I'm not saying name it and claim it. I'm saying get on your knees and conceive it. Get the evidence of it right here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that too spiritual? I hope it isn't, you know, but uh, anyway. Uh, but you conceive it in the Holy Spirit. Believe and conceive in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not saying name it and claim it. Oh, God, I need a Mercedes. No, 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 no. You know, Pastor Dennis, no, he didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> you know. And uh, otherwise, I would be driving a Mercedes instead of a Nissan Juke, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but God who answers by fire, let him be God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I just feel that God wants to interrupt things with your life and my life. You know, you can quench the Holy Ghost. You know, that God says to you, I want you to sing a song, volunteer to sing a song or something in church. You know, you say, oh, I can't do that. You know, Evan Roberts said that there's something wrong with the meeting tonight. What was it? What was it? And a young lady said, I, I think I should have sang a song. He said, that was it. You know, that was the kink in the hose. You know what I'm saying? You know, God wants to use you. He wants to do something in your life. So you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by getting involved and allowing your life to be spotted and tainted by this world, uh, you know, and that we all at times do things like that. We're all sinners. Anybody not a sinner here? You know, if you are not, I, I can't stand perfect people. I wish you'd leave, you know. You know, I've met a few perfect people, and they're obnoxious people, you know. But uh, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But you keep short accounts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's what I feel that God wants to say to you tonight. Keep yourself unspotted by the world and keep the fire lit. Keep it lit. Now, he knows what you have need of before you ask. You know, but you need to conceive it tonight. So we're going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray for you this evening. And whatever you need, whatever you would... Whatever you dream of, conceive it tonight in the Holy Spirit. I pray for visions. I pray for visions for you and direction. Some of, some of you are seeking direction in your life. Some of you are, may be here for the first time, and you're thinking, is this going to be my church? You know, you got to pray about that. I'm not going to tell you yes or no, but you ask the Lord. Amen. Where's our worship team? Could you come back up, please? Bless you. There's none better than you, hallelujah. Nobody's better than you. Nobody's less than you, amen. But we're all the same. 
And we're all the same. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.